Put paste in delay creates. Here's a proven formula for success. Work plus rest equals training. But most endurance athletes get it totally twisted and think training equals work plus work. So what is affecting you from getting your optimal rest, recovery, and sleep that you need to perform better? Find that answer out and more in this episode of Delight Creates. What is up? I'm Darren, your host of Delight Creates, running for Masters of Some. The Internet's most exciting endurance sports podcast. Through self-improvement, we help serious endurance athletes master some of their health, some of their fitness, and even some of their life because it's all the same. And in being your host, you could trust me because I'm a lifelong endurance athlete that's ran a sub three hour marathon, completed an Ironman triathlon in 10 hours, and currently trying to break 16 minutes in the 5K. So I'd say I know some things about some of the stuff that we talk about. Quick warning, we use some adult language and cuss a bit. Be mindful who is around when you listen. Want to know the best free and most natural and organic way of getting faster, stronger, more energy, thinking more clear, and being sharp in your fitness, health, and general life? Will it make me more handsome? Probably. Uh, Actually, it will. It's actually the title of the podcast, which is, um, I think we're going to title it Recovery. I don't know. I I reckon we we get through the episode and then we think of the the title at the end. It'll all emerge from the episode. Okay. Uh, But this is, um, you know, getting proper sleep and resting well and recovering right. That's the way to all those things, Um, basically living a better life. And um, this episode is all about finding your recovery blind spots. That's what it could possibly be called. That's a pretty good clickbaity headline. Yeah. Um, And and I think that's that's a really appropriate title and i think that's a, a that's some unique value we can bring to this topic because what we're not going to do is we're, we're not going to rehash and rebleat all of the all of this you know we'll mention some studies and we'll mention some some data points and all the rest of it but there's plenty of podcasts with informed people plenty of articles that break down you know the consequences of not recovering not getting enough sleep and then the benefits of doing the opposite um so and we're not sleep experts either. Just, you know, well, I don't know. I consider myself a sleep expert. I've done my 10,000 hours. I think I've slept for, <laughs> I've, I've, you know what I'm saying? Like uh, That's pretty good. That's pretty good. That's yeah. pretty good. You're turning it on for the uh, for the, the microphone and the cameras. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Like um, yeah. So with this, we're talking about sleep, rest, and recovery because we think it's essential for a healthy and balanced life. It's that whole meta thing. We know a lot of people have talked about this before. But we're going to try to put our own little slant on this and talk more of the recovery benefits with your training and, again, with your life. This will start out with three anecdotal personal stories of where I came from and what I've learned over the past 37 years of living and figuring out my own sleep patterns that hopefully could work for someone listening or stumbling upon this podcast. Um, And maybe that person can then go, oh, Well, I kind of relate to that, and I could take something from that. So we'd love to hear your own stories, failures, and successes, and, you know, let us know if something we said worked or didn't work. After that, um, after each story, Phil will then explain some of my stories via data, studies, and his own personal experience. And then at the end, we'll approach it with the dark side, which is that good old red team. Um, and we'll we'll throw some some Himalayan rock salt at it, which we we've now called Himalayan rock salt. It used to be called Red Team. 
This is going to be an interesting one because I think we'll be attacking the red team, which might be a new interesting angle. Yeah, and and where I'm coming at this from uh, from a from a coach perspective is uh, it, it's translating that um, conscious incompetence to to conscious competence to unconscious competence. Uh, so many people know the value of sleep; they know they should be sleeping more. That you know that there's a sense there that they're not sleeping enough, or they're not recovering well enough, and and you know they're 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 suffering the consequences of that. Yet they're not doing anything about it or they struggle to make the change and and really that's what i want to dive into and that's where the the suggested title came from you know how to find those recovery blind spots where are you not looking what are you not seeing that's uh, hampering your your sleep rest and recovery so that's the kind of angle i want to approach things from cool i like that and to i guess to add to to what i was just saying before you just said that um i think the game of you know fitness and and health and life is actually more about who can recover well enough after stressing themselves completely to then come back, you know, at a hundred, one hundred and one percent, and then do it again, and then do it again. Yep. And it's it's actually a game of of recovery um, rather than being you know fifty percent because you demolish yourself from you know either working too late or smashing yourself from training yep. or racing too much, and then not being able to recover and not being able to do the workout to its fullest potential or to its to its extent the, yeah. the workout like you know performing and actually executing the intervals you need to if you need to do 10 intervals at three minutes 100 uh if you only get to six because your legs are tired from the workout from three days ago yeah then you're not going to get anything out of that workout absolutely absolutely so recovery is key yeah yeah 100 percent. so i love telling stories and here we go i used to be a night night owl um I think I have the genes for it because I read a book that we'll talk about a bit, which is Why We Sleep. Uh, is it Matthew Walker? Yeah, the, yeah. the better one about the night owl and early bird. I, I don't know. I might, I might be talking out of school because I've not got to that bit in Matthew Walker's book yet. But Why We Sleep. Uh, sorry, not Why We Sleep. Uh, the Power of When um, is, a, is a book on chronotypes. Oh. So it breaks down the concept of, you know, the typical night owl early bird. But mm -hmm. it adds, adds another couple of categories. But we'll, we'll talk about that in a sec. All right, cool. Well, that's good because um, I definitely have the night owl genes from uh just based on my parents and i know how my mom operates she works nights yeah um she she did up until a few years ago when she retired and she carried me and she was still working nights um and i think they kept me up ridiculously late as an infant mm. um to see her when she would come in and so i remember like very early on i love i just would naturally get this second wind yep at pretty much like seven eight o'clock um, and I, I finally figured out that rhythm, that circadian rhythm of sorts. And it is because, you know, I'm a quote unquote night owl. Um, but I've kind of changed that and I'll get to that in a second. Mm. So back it up to my early twenties. Um, it was awesome. I used to just stay up till two, three, four AM and, uh, you know, work on music, create stuff. Cause yep. you know, my name is Delay Creates, you know, and I create stuff. And um, I didn't go to class at 8 a.m. I train on the track, go hard, repeat, hit the weekend, sometimes Thursday, go out drinking, get that drunk sleep. You know that, oh, I got nine hours of drunk sleep. Yeah, that's real good sleep. Uh, I got about six hours of drunk sleep last night. <laughs> six, oh, that's like three hours of real sleep. Uh, you know, stay up till 2 a.m. bullshitting online. And then, yeah, repeat that again, you know, for about two, three years going into my early 20s. There you have it, ladies and gentlemen. There is your sleep strategy. We are master of some. Thank you. Good night. Just end it there. There just, you go. 
yeah. Yeah, it, it worked in my early 20s because, um, you know, I've got a lot of a stamina um, and I got a lot of life stamina and obviously endurance fitness stamina. To a certain extent in your early 20s, you can just not sleep, eat car parts for your diet. And, Drink and, oil. And, and, and Like literally car oil. And, and smoke just, just, just paper. Just paper and plastic <laughs> and you'll be fine. Yeah, you'll be absolutely fine. Yeah. So I got faster in track when I was doing all this crazy sleeping, not sleeping thing um, from my genetic ability. But I never actually got past the plateau. And that plateau was two minutes and one second in the 800. Um, so I never hit that plateau. I couldn't, I, I could not, sorry, I couldn't get past that plateau. Two minutes and one second, I just could not break that. And I then started thinking back, you know, a few years later, and I'm like, it's probably because I wasn't sleeping right. And, you know, my potential, because I was running a 49-second 400, um, you know, you run it through in your calculators and all that. Like, I should have been running, I think my coach was like, you should be running a 152-800. Okay. And um, that will never, like, I'll never let that die. I'll never let that go away. That 152 is what I should be running based on my ability. And I couldn't, you know, I had this potential, but I couldn't fulfill that potential. And I'm going to probably chalk it up to just lack of sleep rest and recovery okay so i mean what do you you want to say anything about that do you got any stats to 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 help that um going back to the book we mentioned earlier the 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 power of when uh, each of the chronotypes and he breaks it down into four different categories so it's got the i think and he gives them animal names as well so you've got um you've got a lion which is the the early riser like at their best at kind of 5 6 a.m but ready for bed at like 8 9 p.m um i'm I, i'm definitely definitely in that category um then you've got the wolf who is the, the you know the, the sort of typical night owl kind of thing so the, the person whose creativity and, and output peaks you know post post midnight um you've then got uh, the bear which is pretty pretty standard circadian circadian rhythm uh, most of the population fall into um fall into this category so not you know, not early morning, not early risers, not particularly going to bed late, just basic sleeping. Um, and then you've got dolphins who are all kinds of messed up, polyphasic, um, you know, broken sleep, weird sleeping patterns. And, and that's, a, you know, a, a small percentage of the population. So I, I'm, I'm mentioning this because what um what, what's kind of uh, posited in the book is that for each of these chronotypes there's particular times of day that are best to do certain activities so um there'll be a different time of day for each chronotype that they're best to um they're best to work out they're best to um take a test the uh, best time to have sex for them as well um best time to take naps so there's all of this stuff that is that is deeply affected by our circadian rhythm um and the the author did you, did you get the author's name michael bruce that's it uh b-r-e-u-s so yeah. i might have pronounced that wrong yeah um so he he posits that uh yeah there's the, the this is genetically mediated that we that we come with a um a chronotype um and that affects how we do things so what it could have been as well depending on the time of day you were you were attempting your um you know your 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 timed runs on the track um and and your lifestyle factors um relating to that it could have just been a mismatch. Like if if you'd have run those say later in the day, or you'd have been going to meet at a completely different time, or you'd have been uh, conducting your training later in the day as well, you might have gotten greater benefit from it there. So that's what strikes me. Um, that's what strikes me um, 
you know, with that as well. Plenty of stats to suggest, though, that um, lack of sleep does affect uh, like physical and, and mental performance. Um, uh, absolutely. Um, if you want to dive into this, the Why We Sleep, uh, Matthew Walker's book, um, we were talking about this before we came on air. L- lots of pushback, apparently, on that book. We'll, we'll get into um, that. We're going to red team at the end of this. We'll, okay, we'll great. Yeah, okay, yeah. we'll, we'll just, just old school red just team. For, foreshadowing foreshadowing that conversation. <laughs> but um, and I just want to sort of get ahead of this with you know this again we're not sleep experts we're, we've we've not conducted sleep studies we're just throwing out some anecdotes and our experience and, and and kind of you know digging into how you might identify again your your own sleep blind spots um take take all of these studies with a grain of salt but the overarching meta lesson here that that um taking sleep seriously having good sleep hygiene and getting an appropriate amount of rest is it's it's pretty undeniable that that has a profound effect on on performance health and well-being so um just wanted to sort of get that out of the way there um I realize I'm rambling on but I'm going to ramble on to one more point no if you if you're in a situation uh dear listener like Darren then maybe experiment with that with that time of day training as well. So, you know, even if you change nothing about your actual sleep, maybe switch up when you're doing your workouts, when you're when you're um, when you're scheduling in your your hard workouts or your time trials and see if that um, see if that has an effect on your performance, because it could just be the time of day that you're trying to do stuff. So fast forward to my mid to late 20s. Um, I got deeper into running and endurance sports, um, now I got into cycling, and I think I even tried to do a duathlon before I turned 30, and I was like, okay, I like this long distance stuff. I was going to say, by long distance, you, you, you're running more than 800 meters yes. now, right? Okay, cool. Yes, finally. Yeah. And um, I, yeah, I stepped up to a half marathon, um, I was doing, you know, longer runs, like, I mean, my longest run before, you know, I started doing all this was like 25, 30 minutes. <laughs> so... Yeah, so I think I got into proper, you know, 60-minute long runs. So I started seeing a trend, and I was getting sick a few times a year. And I was also kind of feeling burned out, and I was like, what's going on here? You know, and I was like, oh, when you train hard, you train a lot, you put a lot of volume in or intensity, I then would pick up some bug, you know, and mm. my immune system would drop. Um, I wasn't, you know, sleeping as well and still trying to, jack up the endurance training mm-hmm. so i basically you know poured water from one glass to another and you know i was like i traded in 800 running for longer distance running which probably was worse because you know the the longer medium intensity stuff is probably does more damage than the short sharp stuff i i really was starting to to see an interesting trend with me loving waking up early but me having trouble going to sleep early enough to get enough yep. sleep. And I really liked waking up, especially when I was living in New York City. I loved going off bike rides. At, I think early for me was like 6 a.m. Uh, I did a couple 5 a.m.s, and I think yeah, seven, se- 6, 7 a.m. was early for me back then. Yep. Um, and I was riding with this one group, and I remember I had to like actually be out at like 5.45 to meet them in Central Park. Um, and I really, I was like, the city's so quiet, you know, because it's a late city. It doesn't start till about 9 a.m. Really, things don't get going. Yeah, right. Um, and I remember just having this internal struggle of going, but I'm DJing late and, you know, I'm working on music late. I'm out networking, doing my quote unquote job, my career. Yeah. But I want to wake up early and go for these runs of, you know, when the sun's rising sure. and all this stuff. So I don't know. I mean, that, it's not, it's not really a story is more of just a, a transition into me starting to take sleep more seriously. Um, and, and really go like, where's the optimal sleep? 
this goes back to your original point that you said it's one of those the conscious unconscious thing like mm. it's like i know i should be doing that oh i should eat well but i'm not going to eat well because i need to do the actual research on how to eat well i need to figure out how to prepare the meals and what meals i like like sure. there's so much to it it's like it's simple and theory and very hard in practice you know like very complex in practice absolutely um so getting good sleep it required me to be very organized early yes you know like multiple hours before i went to sleep i need to be organized you know i need to be organized the the morning before or, or you know that afternoon so sleep became really serious in, in my early 30s and i wasn't able to recover as quickly just general like getting five six hours of sleep like you said in my early 20s i was yeah. perfectly fine with that yeah um it was like, oh, I'm tired. You know, five, six hours of sleep, three days in a row. I was like, shit. Yeah. You know, 30, 31. I was like, I think I need to get seven, eight hours of sleep tonight because I'm tired. So well, it, it kind of points to that um, allostatic load thing. So, you know, we've got good stress. So when we've talked about this before, you know, exercise is a, is a hormetic stressor uh, up, up to a point. You know, we, we, we apply stress to the system and the system uh, adapts and, and, and comes back comes back stronger um the the problem comes in where we we don't consider the 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 total stress load the the total you know of all the things that we're putting in our our particular bucket so we you take late nights you take the the djing you take the networking you take the mental energy and physical energy you're putting to all of that you layer on um an increased training load um, and you're filling your bucket up. And if you think of if you think of that kind of stress as as putting stuff in a bucket, and you think of uh, sleep as, as as almost bailing it out afterwards. Overly simplistic, I know, but just for the visual metaphor, I think this works. You, you know, you, you start filling it up more and more with a different type of endurance um, endurance training, and then you're you're giving yourself less bailing time because you're getting up in the in the morning, and and it's it's a no it's no wonder that you'd start suffering things like you know getting sick more frequently and and decreased performance and feeling a bit shitty. Um, you know, a couple of the studies from, um, I think these are from Why We Sleep, but, you know, uh, uh, half a million people, uh, eight different countries, men, women, young, old, all the rest of it, sleep deprivation seemed to, across the board, increase the risk of getting cardiovascular disease by around 45%. A similar study in Japan um, that tracked a bunch of males over, I think, a 14-year period. Um, and then when they compared that to a, a control group, um, they found those who slept uh, six hours or less per night were five uh, 500% more likely to suffer a cardiac arrest. Mm. I mean, that, that's pretty wild. And, and we're talking, you know, heart health there specifically. But, um, you know, numerous other examples will, will point to um, just, you know, uh, less serious forms of sickness. You know, you're more likely to get a cold. You're more likely to um, you're more likely to um, do damage to yourself in training as well. You know, um, for a couple of reasons. I mean, you uh, hydration status could be affected um, and you could be just have less um, uh, like synovial fluid around uh, around the joints. You more likely if you're playing a technical sport as well to make um, uh, technical errors, which could lead to, you know, twisted and, and broken and, you know, tripping and falling and clattering into stuff. Stuff. like i think that's that's a under considered um uh, path to injury from sleep de deprivation um you know plenty of studies on uh uh driving um you know showed that in terms of um uh, being flagged as a drunk driver sleep deprivation was as as detrimental as um as alcohol consumption to a, yeah. to a certain extent as well yeah uh, i'm seeing um the sorry to jump in there was the 6 right. hours of where's that at so, 
Oh no, it was um a group of people they got drunk and then there was uh you know, they had people that drank a few drinks and then there was people that didn't get sleep forty eight hours and yeah. Uh, those people that, or even less than forty eight hours, I think it was thirty six or something. Yeah, four hours, and they were performing the test at the same exact level. I'm sorry, this is the James Clear article. Oh, that, okay. Yeah, um, which we'll link. But yeah, they performed the same cognitive level as someone that had like three or four drinks or something. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh. Yeah. Once again, if if you need if you need, uh, I said this to be. Most of the time, more information about something being good or bad for us is not what we need to make the change happen in our lives. You know, people who are looking to stop smoking don't need further convincing that cigarettes are bad for them. People who are looking to cut out sugar from their diet or reduce sugar in their diet don't generally need more information about... I had a conversation with a mate the other day. He's like, Phil, have you got any Have you got any books about how bad sugar is? I'm like, do you not know how bad sugar is? And he's like, I do, but I think I need more convincing. I'm like... Uh, okay, let me <laughs> let me give you let me give you something else. Um, yeah. and steered him to a, a book on habit formation. Uh, Gretchen Rubin's book, uh, actually, better than before. I think that's a, it's a really really good read actually cool. for anyone who's looking to um, looking to build better habits. So we're at present day now in my story, and you look tired. <laughs> I've been not sleeping for the last 15 years, 20 years. No, um, I actually cracked the code um, about two, three years ago. And my partner, she she goes to sleep early. I think she's a, what is she? Not a, She's an elephant? No, she's a lion. Oh, my God. I'm going to text Nadia after this. Be no, like, you will please not don't. Believe she is not an elephant or a lion. Darren called you an elephant in the podcast. <laughs> um, she goes to sleep very early and she likes waking up early naturally yep. yep um and that was a bit like oh wow she was going to sleep two three hours before me when we mm. first you know moved in yep and i've slowly started kind of like sucking into her because once she woke up i would be up she'd be stirring in an apartment and i'd be like damn it so i was like you know i need to get my what i've worked out i need to get seven hours of sleep and um i know that because i got some proper sleep analytics studies done i got the whole thing connected to my brain and all my senses and all that, and they did a they did a whole thing. Went to a sleep center. Um, I did that for snoring, which was interesting. But I got all my sleep data, which was cool. And um, I found out that my not circadian my uh, my cycle, my sleep cycle, the whole ninety minutes is actually about eighty five minutes. So most people there's a ninety, and you need fi- about five. Yeah, five of those cycles. Yeah, it's the REM deep, kind of coming back up and yep. then back down, mm-hmm. and. Um, at 85, that actually worked out to be about just about seven hours. So it makes sense that I am fully fresh at seven hours yeah. um, because I have a shorter cycle than most people. And Nadia's might be 92 minutes or 94 minutes, you know, mm. and just that, that's the extra hour that she needs, hour and a half. Sure. Um, but what's, what's interesting is I found out how much sleep I need and I was like, cool, you know, I can operate on 645, 630 is a bit, you know, pushing it. Seven nice, seven fifteen. Once I would get to seven thirty, seven forty-five, and I was getting this routine, I actually felt really tired. Mm. Like I was over, I felt over, um, overslept, or I was okay. oversleeping, and I felt really sluggish. Yeah, it took a long time to wake up. Um, I was waking up with an alarm, or sorry, without an alarm. Mm-hmm. It was really interesting. I was in this nice flow, um, you know, recovering well, just feeling sharp. Yep. And then we had a baby five months ago, uh-huh. and um, yeah, that kind of all went out the window. <laughs> Um, baby's been actually great, like as far as sleep goes. And, um, I'm now modulating a bit 
mine adapting my training around how I sleep. So, yep. you know, he sleeps pretty well towards the morning. So if I haven't gotten the right amount of sleep, I then just sleep in a bit. Um, I get to sleep much earlier so that at least my time in bed, quote unquote, is longer, even though I'm up sorting him out for five, 10 minutes, three or four time, times a night. Yep. Um, and it's been quite interesting. So it's ironic that now I finally figure out how to sleep. You know, I figure out my patterns and my rhythms and what works for me and my nighttime routines and my morning routines and all that. And now I have this thing that I have no control over. And, you know, it's a human being, so yeah. he's a high priority. Yeah. He's pretty chill. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I just it, it's just a great way to end my story is uh, I can't control my sleep, but I actually figured it out now. Yeah, and and that's that's super important. And what what your story across the years has sort of pointed to is that I think we all need to be mindful of constantly adjusting our strategy. Like we we can't have this thing, and it will work in perpetuity for the rest of our lives. Same thing with nutrition. Same thing with training. Same thing with everything. Right? Like it's it's what is what is appropriate for you now with what else is going on in your life. Um, so yeah, just uh, that's a, a watch out for. For you know, for anyone who's listening, just you know, when you just when you think you've got it dialed in, something's going to change in your life, and you might need to you might need to tweak a little bit. So um, yeah, um, and coming back to that conscious competence uh, piece and that flat finding your blind spots, there's a, there's a model I really like. I've mentioned it before, but it's it's sort of Ken Wilber's um, four quadrant model. Um, We'll include a link to this in the show notes. I'm not going to explain it in, in exhausting, exhaustive detail now, but it essentially looks at the, the the internal and the external factors. It gives you a lens through which to look at yourself um, in the context of what's going on inside for you. So your thoughts, your feelings, your beliefs. What's going on outside physically with your with your with your physical meat wagon, your body. Um, what's going on in in the culture? So what's going on in your in your groups, in your in your in in your in groups, in your uh, in the wider culture like the you know the the, the country we live in and, and the, the, the maybe an organization you're a part of and what's going on in the in the systems as well so um some examples of this and and we all i, I mentioned this model and I, I like it for this purpose because we all tend to have blind spots there so some people are really not good at understanding their own thoughts and feelings you know they're they're, they're kind of that silent to them they like what are you feeling right now and it's like mm, i don't know i'm not really sure they've not tapped into that that intelligence some people are really poor at understanding what's happening in their physical body you know what you know what their what what the sensations mean like you know uh, controlling and modulating that some people are really blind to the effect that culture has on them so moving through each one of these quadrants you'll see where you're struggling to come up with answers you'll see where you're struggling to to identify or or, or really dig into something and that's usually where the work is that's where and i work with coaching clients on on this model um uh, fairly extensively that that's where the leading edge of development is for people so if you're in the if you're in the camp where you are aware that you might need more sleep. You're aware that oh, maybe I'm not getting enough, and I, I could I could really change up my sleep hygiene and my sleep strategy. This could be a good um, good thing for you to explore. Um, so. Again, the internal subjective experience of the world. So, looking at your thoughts, your feelings, your your beliefs, your attitudes towards sleep. Um, do you have a lot of mental chatter going to bed? Do you find it hard to to turn off? Do you um you know do you do you constantly put yourself in a uh, in emotional states? You know you you think yourself into a mind body emotional state. Is is that where the work is? You know is it is it in the realm of the subjective thoughts and feelings that that, that are preventing you from getting sleep? 
is it in the realm of the physical? So is your physical environment not conducive to sleep? It's too warm, um, it's too noisy, it's too, uh, it's too light in the room. Um, maybe you're eating too late. Maybe you're, um, you know, th- there's a physical thing you're doing or there's a physical thing in your environment which is, is, is causing you to not get sleep. So it could be nutrition, it could be um, you're taking certain supplements, you're taking alcohol, drugs, whatever it might be. Um, and then there's the cultural factors as well. Um, and this is the last one we'll, we'll, I'll kind of mention for today. But, um, you know, are you existing in, a say, an organization where it's work hard, play hard, and there's a culture of going out and there's a culture of drinking and there's a culture of working late? Um, do you live in a country where... Um, that doesn't agree with your chronotype. So, you know, are you in one of those like wacky countries that where they all eat dinner at 10 p.m. like psychopaths? Sorry. Uh, like, like, if you're like, eating dinner. You're talking about Spain and like Portugal and all that. Psychopaths. Psychopaths. <laughs> No, no New, all York, of, New, York all, is, New York is like that too. Yeah, no, all, yeah. all love. I'm just coming. I'm just joking. <laughs> my, my, I like. I can't imagine it though. Like, I'm like, yeah, I'll have my dinner at half past five. Thank you very much. You oh know? man, dude, I, I didn't even talk about that. Man, I was eating dinner at like eleven midnight. Going go to sleep like twenty no. minutes later. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it was bad. <laughs> so, but that's culturally mediated, right? Like you know, people who exist in those cultures, they might be a they might be a lion from their chronotype. They might be the early morning. You know, that's where their cortisol spikes, and they've got all the energy, and they can and and you know, just because their society that they're that they're a part of says, you know, we have dinner at eleven p.m. and that's that's how we roll. And is that affecting you? Do you need to move to the UK? Um, but you, you get what I'm saying. So exploring, exploring, and, and just unpacking and digging into those different areas for yourself. So my uh, my uh, my offer is you could pull up the quadrant model, pull up Ken Ken Wilber's quadrants. Um, it, it should have some some prompts in in each one of the boxes, and just think through that. It's like, okay, how is that how is that impacting on my sleep? Um, you know, how how could that be causing me to not get the sleep I want? Uh, and is that where the that where the exploration is? Is that where the work is for, for you? So, we're gonna red team this, or as we retitle it, last. Was it last season? Um, it's uh, Pink Rock Salt, Himalayan Pink Rock Salt. When did we do? I don't remember. You don't that. remember that? Don't you need to re-listen that. to the whole season binge mode, like I did, and uh, critique the shit out of yourself. Um, but yeah, it's called um, Salt Bay. It's just Salt Bay, Pink Himalayan Rock Salt. We're gonna. It's like take it with a grain of salt. Can get we, it? Can we go back to Red Team? Yeah. <laughs> or Red Team. Red uh, way <laughs> so the antithesis of sorts to why we sleep. Um, it was actually quite harshly debunked. Um, there was a lot of facts that were not facts, um, a lot of studies that were taken um, incorrectly from that book. And this came out, I think, about, you know, uh, it was, I won't even, I'll give you the time. I won't say how long ago was it, but it was November, mid-November of 2019. This came out, and um, I forgot the guy. It's uh, We'll put up show notes. It's Guzzi, Guzzi.com, G-U-Z-E-Y.com. And it seems like he like debunks a lot of these books, like, um, and he goes and gets the facts. But uh, one of the biggest things is no shorter sleep does not imply shorter lifespan. Um, and that was the thing about if you get little sleep, yes, it did show that those people live less. But if you get too much sleep, it showed that those people live less. Um, the 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 sweet spot was around seven hours. But that's just like nutrition studies where there's actually more to it. It's um, yeah. it's it's causation rather than correlation. 
is that is that correct? Uh, it, it's correlation rather than causation. Sorry, so, yeah, yeah, so, it's cor- yeah. correlation rather than causation. So the the studies don't take into account the lifestyle factors of those types of people, and those end up being more like the people that sleep a lot are usually sedentary and don't take care of themselves and all 100%. those other things. And you know, people that eat red meat and get cancer usually eat the processed simple refined carbohydrates and, with, you know, with the red meat with and, the and, red and, meat and the study you know? the study is not done on people eating grass-fed bison and organic vegetables exactly. and drinking kombucha with their with their dinner and then getting a good night's sleep like those aren't the folk in the study exactly for, for the so most part. yeah yeah and um mark manson actually kind of gave me the heads up in his um newsletter it's called uh motherfucking monday it's so good so mark manson um privied me to that actual kind of debunking of the book. And what's interesting was because Mark Manson actually recommended the book a few months before and said, hey, everyone needs to read Why You Sleep. I was a terrible sleeper. Um, you know, like I thought I could run off five, six hours of sleep and caffeine and I was fine. I read mm. the book, scared the shit out of me. And then he went back and said, okay, uh, a lot of this shit was actually, no, not a lot, but there's a couple of points that he, that he said that actually weren't true or he skewed the studies. Sure. Um, and he's like, fair enough. And he said, you know what? And he actually kind of defended, he's like, this nonfiction shit is kind of hard, especially when you're not writing about things that there's a lot of studies about. So you end up having to pretty much kind of come up with theories out of your ass or connect studies together. Um, and this guy though, he is a doctor and he's a sleep doctor. So I'm not going to, you know, uh, uh, is it Matt Walker? Matthew Walker? Matthew Walker. Yeah, yeah. I'm not going to shit on him because I think it actually is a very well-written book. And there's a couple of things that I found from the book that while this is Red Team, there's still like value in what he wrote. And I went to the internet for that to actually help me out. So Mark Manson said, uh, does the critique negate everything in the book? No, there's actually still a ton of great info in it. And here's the funny thing. I'm sleeping better and feeling better than any other time in my life. And much of that is due to reading this book that is full of quote unquote bad research. So the question is, is a bullshit book that helps you still bullshit? Um, I don't know. All I know is get probably a bit more sleep, make it a priority. And also don't obsess about it because obsession is bad. So that's one thing. Another guy that I found on Hacker News, uh, T-O-M-T-E, going to give him full credit. Um, Hacker News looks like Reddit. Uh, he said, I'm going to just paraphrase, that's interesting. When reading the book, my takeaways were, weren't really about cancer risk. They were actually what REM is and NERME, light and deep NERME sleep is for. Some fascinating studies about lucid dreaming, effects of, uh, looks like caffeine and sleep medication or coffee and sleep medication, sleep hygiene tips. And, um, he said a whole bunch of other stuff. So like, I actually really like it cause I'm learning about sleep. So yeah. the book is actually titled why we sleep. And while there was a lot of, you know, health scary shit mm. in it, like you need to sleep more, or you'll die in the beginning in that first, you know, 15, 20 pages to really get you sucked in. Um, I do feel like I was like, oh, there's a ri- there's actually a rhythm to sleep. And oh, this, I learned all about the circadian rhythm like and how that works and how uh, it's 24 hours and 15 minutes is your circadian rhythm. And you have to get that reset by the sun. Yeah. Like. Fuck, and there's actually flowers and stuff and other animals they all have circadian rhythms like yeah and the sun resets them mm-hmm. so um that's just fucking cool i like i'm interested and curious about that stuff so yeah i, I don't know that's just that's that's what i'm gonna take out of it sure absolutely uh, it, i red team my own red team I, I like how you did that <laughs> i like it when you red team the red team the red team the red team but yeah i mean look again once again i think i've said it twice on this episode already but i'm not a sleep specialist or a doctor and i'm in no p- position to debunk 
or, or validate anything in that book uh, or, or or the or debunk or validate the the debunking and the validation of the book by these other people we're getting we're getting we're doing that thing we're doing that thing that starts with an m and ends with an a and rhymes with better oh meta we're doing that oh meta yeah shit. no it, it's all good but but what, what, what i'm <laughs> i like so, it i like it though I'm just what i'm out. saying like is the, the overall body of evidence i think is there for for, for you know more and better well for the right amount of, of good quality sleep and, and i don't think that's in in particularly hot dispute um the, if if it's if it is true that matthew walker did kind of um misrepresent or embellish some stuff in the book there is a real potential for damage there and i get why you try and do it to some extent like uh, but you've got to look at say like so like the reefer madness films of you know i, I don't remember when they were made but all the scare tactics um that were that were put around say like uh, around pot in the in the u.s when it becomes evidently not true from people's experience that the, the the propaganda that's being put out there about something is is absolutely false, it gives people a, a a way to dismiss and throw out the whole thing. So you know, it's like okay, so you're you're telling me I'll smoke one joint and become you know a, a murderous psychopath, and then you know, lo and behold, you have a bit of a party and that does not happen. You just get a bit hungry and sleepy. Um, you're like, oh, well, all of this is, you know, all the propaganda is bullshit then. And there are, you know, potential real consequences to still, like, especially for developing adults. Like, if you're smoking loads and loads of pot, it's probably not a good idea. But people can look at Reek for Madness and go, well, the government just lies about this and we're not doing it. So I, I think on that vein, there's potential damage in over-representing the dangers of stuff as opposed to, like, just drilling down to what's known and, and what there are good studies about. But um, overall, I think... Most people, I, I think the net effect of this book has been to raise awareness around around sleep. I mean, I first heard about it. I listened to uh, Matthew Walker talk on Joe Rogan's podcast. You know, a guy like that getting on a on a platform like Joe Rogan's is is reaching a, a phenomenal amount of people, and I, I guarantee a lot of people who would have listened to that would have changed some some sleep habits and and be be sleeping better and performing better. So overall, I think Matt Walker. Was providing a service i think he's good yeah he had but. good intentions yeah i agree um just to kind of end all of that uh some interesting takeaways to know if you have gotten enough sleep or you're getting enough sleep um so this is this is something i don't do too much but i'm basing it off i'm, I'm basing it on qualifying the data rather than quantifying it i love quantifying my data uh, and this is this is kind of cool. So none of these are set in stone. Again, I'm not an expert. Phil's not an expert in uh, sleep training, even though you have gotten your ten thousand hours. <laughs> I have. <laughs> and I've, I've, I've given talks on sleep to athletes as well. So in the context of like training oh, yeah. endurance athletes, you know, I know the ba- and sleep hygiene as well. Yeah. Like maybe we could do that another time. I don't think we're going to yeah, get into that. We could, here. we could pepper it into another episode. So just a couple of things that I've actually, you know, I've read these things and then I, um, I thought about it and applied them, and it's pretty spot on for me at least i don't know about you or you phil or you uh mr or mrs or mix listener listener mx listener um it's mx uh that's the non-binary okay yeah um if you don't need caffeine before 11 a.m you're doing well so if you need caffeine before you know 10 11 a.m if you need it to just function and get to 11 a.m then that means you're probably not getting enough sleep this is these are just like general ideas uh another are, these, one. are these from you or no, this is from what I read. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Sorry. Um, I missed that. Waking up with no... I, I So I wrote it in the... How the notes are, I wrote it in my my POV, okay. my point of view. Um, I wake up... When I wake up with no alarm clock, um, 
it's more of a habit and routine. And mm. after about 10 to 14 days of the same bedtime and wake up time, I start doing that. That's another sign that you're sleeping. You're sleeping well. Um, I personally, this is a personal one. This is not a study. I don't life bonk. I call it life bonking around 3 p.m. That whenever I haven't gotten, whenever I get like five and a half, six hours of sleep, I decided to go training hard that day or something. 3 p.m. hits and I'm like, oh my God. And yeah. I know that I probably should have gotten a bit more sleep. Yeah. Um, so that's my kind of barometer. Uh, and if I'm not bonking, then I know I'm sleeping well, yeah. you know, and I'm recovering well. And uh, kind of also, if I'm rested and recovered, this is a me thing because I know I'm a night owl. It takes me forever to wake up. Whereas, like, I think my partner, she just bounces up when she wakes up. Yeah. And she's like, yay! And I'm no matter if I got seven hours of sleep, nine hours of sleep, perfect amount of sleep, I'm always like, I'm dead. And it takes me like 10, 15, 20 minutes sometimes to wake up. And at first I thought it was because I wasn't getting enough sleep. And then I do this thing in the morning where I do um, this series of kind of yoga-like. It's like these slow push-ups and holds and whatnot and these really slow stretching things. Yeah. And I do, you know, my, my morning routine, which is um, journaling and reading and meditating. Yep. And then I go to the bathroom, brush my teeth. And basically within that 10 to 20 minute span... I feel myself waking up. And by that 20 minutes, I'm like, yeah, let me crush this workout. Yeah. Like, I'm ready to go. Yeah. And if by that 20 minutes, if not 25, 30 minutes, I don't feel good, I know I haven't gotten enough sleep. So that's a personal thing. Yeah. Because I don't wake up, like, chipper. Like, and it, it just takes me forever. Like, I'm like, you know, a, ca- a bear coming out of a cave. That, that's, I think that's the chronotype thing again, because it sounds like I'm, I'm more similar to Nadia. Like, Cat makes fun of me for it as well. Like, I'll, I'll wake up and I'll just be like, bing. Like nah. re- ready, ready to go. Whereas, whereas Cat sounds more like you. She, she's like, mm, 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 get out. Yeah, yeah. Add break. Is the health and fitness internet too much sometimes? Too many conflicting articles and videos that confuse you on how to train and eat right, or you don't have time to just read and watch everything about. I don't know, the new trends on carb cycling for trail running. Don't worry, we'll take care of all that for you. Sign up for our free email newsletter, Three Thing Thursday. We'll put three perfectly curated and created things in your inbox for better living and training. Go to delaycreates.com slash TTT. We do the hard time-consuming work and scour the health and fitness internet's deepest and darkest corners. This is so that every Thursday, you have a piping hot new email with the latest and coolest tips, tricks, tools, tactics, and skills, all so that you can train and live consistently to do dope shit in your next endurance event. If you sign up now, you can receive my quick guide on how to get healthy, stay fit, and use data to create habits that last a lifetime. That's delatecreates.com slash TTT to be inspired and motivated on the regular. Time. Time is a resource no one can make more of, so we appreciate you taking precious time out of your day to listen this far. Our goal is to show the world how to live better through running, cycling, and triathlon. The episode and many others have a transcription. Go to the show notes description to find out more. This was produced in Sydney, Australia, and I'd like to acknowledge the Gadigal of the Eora Nation, who are the traditional custodians of this land. I pay my respects to the elders, past, present, and future. I recognize their continuing connection to the land, waters, and culture. These lands were stolen and sovereignty was never ceded. If you like this episode, again, we'd highly appreciate it if you go on whatever app you listen to and make sure to follow D-Lit Creates Podcast. We're on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Amazon, Acast, and a bunch of others. And if you're feeling real loose, A rating, review, or share of this episode to anyone you know that would be into something like this would be amazing. 
the more people that hear about us, the doper stuff we can do to then help other people. And if that virtuous cycle continues forever, we would always be grateful to you. If you have any questions, concerns, suggestions for the episode of hell, you want to be on the show, hit us up. The best way is to email talk at delaycreates.com. We're also on the socials, mainly Instagram at delaycreates, or you can hit us up wherever you can find us. Last, this episode of music were created and produced by Podpaste and myself. So if you like any of the music, you can add it to your device playlist by going to delaycreates.com forward slash music. Don't worry if you didn't get all that. There's a link in the show notes description. Thank you again so much for listening. Peace.